charlatan moved closer and smirked. So tell me, smart one, am I here to tip buckets? Am I here to pass blame? Liz felt the evil pouring out of this beast inching closer to her. The snake moved in as Liz became immobilized by fear on the rock. He reared back his head. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. As we begin today's podcast, I'd like to share something with you, a way that you can be thoroughly entertained and help us to continue to bring these great stories in podcast form. We invite you to purchase your own copy of the audiobook version of The Ark, The Read, and The Fire Cloud through audible.com. Or grab a copy of our latest audiobook from Jenny L. Cody's amazing Epic Order of the Seven book series. It's The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key. The story of Patrick Henry and how the United States began to seek her independence uh, with a little bit of help from Max, Liz, and the rest of the Epic Order of the Seven. Again, these audiobooks can be purchased by logging on to audible.com. Get one for yourself or give one as a gift and help us to keep producing these podcasts. And for the print version of any of Jenny's nine Epic Order books, log on to Jenny's website, epicorderoftheseven.com. On today's episode, we'll hear from Chapter 63 of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud. And then later in this episode, we'll head over to Jenny's Corner and check in with the uber-talented lady who gave us this incredible story, uh, with lots of help, of course, from the maker, and and maybe a little bit from Moses, uh, Jenny L. Cody. And believe you me, she's got some splaining to do. Weren't that my line? Because this chapter of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud is filled with something you wouldn't expect in a story about the Ark. Uh, monsieur? The story about, as our author friend Doug Peterson calls it, the largest lifeboat ever created. Uh, lad? The Ark. (laughs) Built by the only righteous man the Maker could find. Uh, bonjour, Monsieur Denis. Which, of course, was Noah. Because the Maker had a plan. Hey! (laughs) But, uh, I'm, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) A wee bit, laddie. Uh, right, uh, because uh, now it's time to introduce our host. Actually, it was time to do that at least a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, here's Max and Liz. Oh, is it our turn already? Yeah, sorry about that. Okay, Max, uh, pick it up where our lines are supposed to start. Jenny and Cody. Oh, and believe you me, she has got some splaining to do. Because this chapter of the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud is filled with something you wouldn't expect in a story about the Ark. Hi, the story about, as our author friend Doug Peterson calls it, the largest lifeboat ever created. Uh, the Ark, built by the only righteous man the Maker could find. Which, of course, was Noah, because the Maker had a plan. They interrupt him, and Monsieur Announcer says, Ah, uh, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Ah, uh, no, no, that's Monsieur Announcer's line. Oh, good huh? grief. We're already on page two. Ah, uh, we are? We. Oh, this is nonsense, then. Uh, who wrote this drivel anyway? <laughs> Obviously not Miss Jenny. That's for sure. Because... Proving what a great creative writer she is, Miss Jenny has added an element back into the story that, uh, believe me, I know first paw just how ugly this element is. It is chilling. Aye, more awful than this script. Uh, uh, we, oui. you see, 
Before we add this awful ingredient, I feel compelled to remind you that we serve a wonderful maker, God, who loves you more than can be measured, who only has your very best interest in mind, whose Son Jesus loves you enough to pay for all your sins and my sins and everybody's sins. He did it by dying on the cross. But then he rose up from death to bring us life that lasts forever. And so Jesus overcame death and sin and all the troubles of the world, no? But he also told us that, I, we're gonna have troubles in this world. And often those troubles come about because there is evil in this world too. There is someone who doesn't want you to believe in our loving maker. And he'll lie and cheat and steal and do everything he can to get you to rely on yourself instead of on the maker. <laughs> I started doing that very thing on the ark, thinking I were all that. We, oui. and now in today's chapter, <sighs> I have to look that evil one right in the face. Monsieur? Chapter 63 the Original Imposter Kate and Al sat on top of Peter and Pearl, watching the parade of animals. Still no sign of Max and Liz. Kate was beginning to get nervous. What if we can't find them? What will we do, Al? I can't live without me, Max. is everything to me, said Kate, trembling. Oh, Keith, I know how you feel. Don't let your emotions run away with you, lass. Max and Liz would not leave without us. You can be sure of that. Just be patient. Either Krynan and Bethu will find them, or Max and Liz will find us, replied Al, trying desperately to ease Kate's concern. Aye, I'll try. I just feel so lost without Max, and I know it's not like him to not be near me. I feel something has happened, Kate said as she scanned the skies for Crinan and Bethu. Liz sat looking over the crowded landscape before her. Surely never before had any creature seen all of creation gathered in one place like this, she thought. It was magnificent. She found herself counting the pairs, trying to calculate the total number of animals that had been aboard the ark. Stop this! This is not the time for calculating. Stay focused, she said to herself. Charlatan eased his way up onto the back of the ledge where Liz sat, her back to him, as she looked out over the crowd. His forked tongue tasted the air as he slithered closer to Liz. He tasted fear. Good, he thought. Fear will make her freeze. Liz suddenly turned to see Charlatan right behind her. She hissed as her fur stood up on end, doubling her size. There, there, kitty, 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 said Charlatan, a wicked grin forming on his face. You don't frighten me. In fact, I think you're the scaredy cat now. Liz's heart was pounding in her chest. What do you want? Oh, I want to keep the truth buried until I can do what I came here for. I want you 
to be silenced, replied Charlatan, as he slithered closer to Liz. Why, what is it that you don't want me saying, Charlatan, or should I say, evil one? asked Liz, trying her best to appear calm. You were in the garden. Ah, yes, Lizette Brion. Oh, you are so very smart, aren't you? Always figuring things out, Charlatan said, as he slithered slowly to his right. Correct. You brought me here, Lizette. I came in your seed sack, Charlatan hissed, taking great pleasure in terrifying this cat. Not my garden, the garden, Liz said, frowning as she came to understand how this third snake came to be aboard the ark. May we? It took me a while to figure out your ruse. My intellect was no match for your deception. The maker made it clear to me who you really are, said Liz, feeling emboldened. At the sound of the name of the maker, the snake shuddered. He shook it off and began to raise up off the rock, revealing large curves around his face as he towered over Liz. He looked totally different from before. His scales even turned from a soft gray to a deep black. He was a king cobra. He was massive and drew closer to Liz, his menacing eyes boring into her now. Don't ever say that name again. I'm the clever one. I'm the one who's going to win. I'm the one who's going to beat them. Charlatan stopped before he spoke the name. He gathered his composure and calmed down before he continued. You've presented me quite a challenge on this journey, you know. You stayed one step ahead of me many times. Yes, I was the one who took the objects to stir up turmoil and mistrust in the ark. I was the one who made the grain sack fall near Max so I could save him. Ah, <laughs> yes, good times. Max really trusted me after that little trick, the snake said, smiling as he remembered all he had done aboard the ark. Liz's chest heaved up and down, her heart raced and her breaths came faster with each revelation confessed by the snake, who drew closer to her. He was enjoying this, telling her all he did. He was bragging about it. He was full of himself, full of pride. She grew angry, yet it all made sense now. All the strange happenings in the ark were a result of charlatan's influence. Liz felt a sense of resolve as she realized her instincts had been right. Liz wanted to do the accusing. It was you who set the fire. It was you who tipped the buckets and got the humans fighting. It was you who tried to kill Noah and Max. It was you who destroyed Noah's record of this journey. You made us believe the wolves were behind all this. Charlatan moved closer and smirked. So tell me, smart one, 
Am I here to tip buckets? Am I here to pass blame? Liz raised her back as the snake moved closer. I'm here to finish what I started in the garden. I did nothing more than show what man is made of. It was so easy. Tell them what they want to hear. Twist the truth just enough to tempt them. You will not die. Eat the fruit. <laughs> Charlatan wickedly chuckled. Or how about this half-truth? The one who made you does not appreciate your offerings. Your brother is at fault. Kill your brother. Easy. Just tell them what they want to hear. Then sit back and watch. It only took ten generations for them to self-destruct. Only ten generations! <laughs> I knew he would get angry and regret having made them. I knew he would destroy what he had created. Charlatan hissed with delight. He did not destroy them all, Liz said defiantly. Correct. Oh, smart one, I have a job to finish, said Charlatan, threateningly. Liz felt the evil pouring out of this beast inching closer to her. The snake moved in as Liz became immobilized by fear on the rock. He reared back his head and struck. That concludes today's installment of the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud. Aye, and I hope you'll excuse her, but Liz weren't feeling well, and well, we just told her to go on home then, you know? Uh, yeah, and you, I mean, who can blame her? Right. Having to relive that awful day. Ugh, it were the worst. But that wasn't the end of Chapter 63. Uh, we're going to bring you the conclusion of Chapter 63 and much more on our next episode. In fact, we're going to finish out the whole book next time. That's exactly right, Max. Our next episode is a special one-hour presentation. We'll be bringing you the final three chapters of this incredible audiobook. Aye, because it's just too intense to break it up then. You need to hear it all in one shot. And that's because there are some surprises coming well, that will quite frankly blow your mind. <laughs> so our next episode, episode 51, will be our one-hour special finale presentation. And you don't want to miss it. And as we were telling you before, we're heading to Ginny's Corner today because, well, the story is a wee bit disturbing. So, uh, Miss Ginny, hello? Max, I understand you have a question for me. Aye, lass. This whole thing with Charlie, I mean, Charlatan, the original imposter. Well, I thought the Ark was supposed to be a safe place, away from all the corruption and the bad stuff, and now he even attacked me kitty friend Liz. Uh, well, Miss Jenny, uh, why were he even on the Ark then? Well, Max, I know this isn't what you want to hear, uh -oh. but guess what? What? Without charlatan there really wouldn't have been a story on the ark but miss Jen i know that comes as a big I shock doesn't it aye but here's the truth he started the whole thing 
What? The maker never intended for the snake in the garden to mess things up and cause the fall. That was not his original plan. But Satan, who was Lucifer, a beautiful angel, fell from heaven, became Satan, and then manifested as this snake in the garden. And he led Adam and Eve, the first humans, to fall. And ever since then, every story ever told has the struggle with the bad guys in it and the villains. Let me recommend a wonderful book for all my readers out there called Epic by John Eldridge. And it's a small little book, but it talks about this whole idea that we are living in a story, that all of life is a story. Let me read a little excerpt of what he said. I want you to notice that all the great stories pretty much follow the same storyline. Things were once good, then something awful happened, and now a great battle must be fought or a journey taken. At just the right moment, which feels like the last possible moment, a hero comes and sets things right, and life is found again. It's true of every fairy tale, every myth, every western, every epic, just about every story you can think of, one way or the other. Braveheart, Titanic, the Star Wars series, Gladiator, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, they pretty much all follow the same storyline. Have you ever wondered why? Every story, great and small, shares the same essential structure because every story we tell borrows its power from a larger story, capital L and S, a story woven into the fabric of our being. All of these stories borrow from the story, from reality. We hear echoes of it through our lives, some secret written on our hearts, a great battle to fight and someone to fight for us, an adventure, something that requires everything we have, something to be shared with those we love and need. There is a story that we just can't seem to escape. There is a story written on the human heart. As Ecclesiastes has it, he has planted eternity in the human heart. And so every story has the same elements because ultimately it's the fight of good versus evil. And every story points to the greatest story ever told, which is the story of God defeating evil through Jesus. And the story of Noah's Ark is a mirror, and I've shared that before, of what's coming with Jesus. We're safe inside the Ark, you know, even though there was trouble, right? We're safe inside of Christ. Even when we're saved through the blood of Jesus as believers, we still have to fight. We still have trouble. And so it's a picture that we're saved ultimately, though, from death and destruction. And here's what I did specifically, why Charlatan had to be on the ark. Moses doesn't record this, of course, in Genesis of all the trouble that happened on the ark. But I have no doubt whatsoever that there was problem after problem and obstacle and things that the enemy, that the original imposter did to try to defeat Noah and thwart their mission. And in fact, I have a line where he says, well, I've got rid of all the humans. There's only these eight left. And so I have to believe that Charlatan was out to kill every last one of them. So even though that's not reflected, Charlatan embodies in the art, the read the fire cloud, what that opposition must have been like. Because the closer you get 
to the end, to the finish line, to the victory ahead of accomplishing the task or reaching the goal or the end of the journey, opposition heats up, it gets harder, the fight gets more intense. And you'll notice that through everything in life. Every time you're trying to do something great, it gets harder right before you claim victory. So every story has a villain because of the original imposter in the garden. But here's the great thing. Every story with the maker turns out victorious, right? Because we know how it ends. The good guys always win in the end, which is great. And I tell kids in my creative writing workshops, we know that uh, every good story has a great bad guy in it, right? Think of your favorite stories. Think of your favorite movies. Why are they your favorite? Because the good guys ultimately defeated a really bad guy, whether it's Darth Vader or what. But here's the deal. We ultimately want the good guys to win because we want to see justice and good triumph over evil. But the kicker is, when do we want the good guys to win? Do we want them to win in the beginning of the story? No. We want them to win at the last possible moment when there's no way they could win. And then we want our good guys to come back with a victory. And the story of Jesus coming back is the greatest comeback victory of all time. And so that larger story inspires me to write this story. And so, Max, even though I know things are going to get even tougher and rougher as we close out the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud, you hang on and you keep listening, you keep reading out there, because we know in the end, the Maker always wins, and victory is 100% secure. Ah, wise words to remember, as always. Thank you, Miss Jenny. Uh, But, announcer lad? Yeah? There'll still be a lot of questions needing answered on the next episode, eh? Like, what happens to Liz? Uh, Where's Kate? And Al? I know that charlatan is heading for my favorite human, Shem! You're right, laddie. There are too many questions to answer in a typical episode. So yeah, once again, our next episode is a special one-hour conclusion to our story. This will be our 51st episode, and in the previous 50, we've had twists and turns and crazy surprises all along the way. But trust me, there are more surprises coming, twists and turns that nobody could see coming. How does it all turn out? You'll want to be here for our final thrilling conclusion to the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud on our next episode. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. See you next time on The Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. Have a grand day! Always remember, you are loved and you are able. <laughs>